Welcome into episode 33 of the Godly and Men podcast. We are back today talking about taking financial responsibility. Talking about money. Talking about money. Uh, money is, it, it's a lot of things. And we, you know, this is on the back end of Andrew Tate's episode last week. Uh, we wanted to talk about the masculinity guru. Uh, there's a lot to be said about the man. We could have gone a lot further. But the thing that's key in his life is how much he loves money. Yep. Like he works hard 18 hours a day or whatever Wealth he says. is his goal. Wealth yeah. is his goal. And he... He proudly states that. He is not shying away from the fact that money is his goal, wealth is his goal, status and everything else that goes along with it, the competition of making all the, all the money. So we talked about that. But now we kind of want to take the alternate perspective. Okay, we know that's wrong. We know that that's not the end of all things. And we know that from Ecclesiastes. We talked about that. We're going to look at that. We're going to dig into the Bible with some scriptures about it. But we also think there's some really important key points that sometimes get forgotten, specifically for godly young men, concerning money. Yeah, because, again, we know the Andrew Tate thing is is not great, and so how should a godly young man view money? That's what we want to talk about today, because money is a big deal to guys. Like, anybody who tries to deny that is fooling themselves. Like, money is a big deal to guys. There is is a competition factor um, of... You know, guys like to hear, and again, it's just kind of natural, guys like to hear how much other guys make and so that they can kind of compare, oh, I make more than them, or you know, whatever. Like, there, it's a yep. big deal to guys, right? And I think there is, a, it's tied to their self-worth in a lot of instances. Yeah. Like, their, self, their self-worth is tied to how much money they make. And so we are not shying away from that. Like, obviously, we're going to get into where it can go way too far and where, just beyond the Andrew Tate thing, like, where you can view money in a wrong type of way. But it's not wrong for guys to think about money. It's, I mean, guys think about money a lot. It's a big deal. And so we wanted to devote this episode to that. Anything else you wanted to add to that? Money represents a lot of things. It represents yeah. freedom. Money represents security. Money represents, um, again, it represents ego or status or whatever you want to say. And we're not here to say that money should only represent, you know, what you can do with it for God. Like, that's a piece. That's, that's a part of it. But money is... Not a bad thing. And so, I and think- let's face this too money will be, this is for 15 to 25 year olds, money will be a huge part of your life for the rest of your life. Yes, it will. Like, it is not just some small, obscure, like little piece of your life that doesn't get a lot of, right. you know, no, this is a huge deal because. What job you you take is going to involve how much money you make. Whether or not you can provide for your family is going to involve how much money you make. What house you you buy. Whether or not you can retire. What kind of cars you drive if you can drive reliable cars. Like money is a huge aspect of life. And so we're 33 episodes in now. We feel like we need to talk about it because it's a really big deal for guys. Um, Joe, get us into this this first point that we both very strongly believe that maybe sometimes the, the church as a whole maybe gets a little wrong. Yeah. It's not wrong to want money. Let's just say it. Yep. It's not wrong to want money. We've turned wealth into something unrighteous. It's it's more, you're almost more pious, you're more holy to be dirt poor and, oh, you know, sister so-and-so, she just can't right. afford. Like, that doesn't make you holier than the next guy. And we demonize the rich so much in yes. our, our culture that you take the 1%, the 1%, you know, Bernie Sanders, <laughs> who demonizes the people that make a lot of money. And I've, I've gone off on this before. It's a soapbox rant of mine. But it just frustrates me to no end how much we can demonize those guys and talk about, well, they're just capitalistic pigs who, you know, just keep all the uh, all the other men down. Like, no, they're the reason you have a job. Yeah. If these guys didn't exist, you would have had to go out and, and be selling some corn dogs off the street for your job. Like, be <laughs> grateful that you have somebody who is top dog. Like, Jeff Bezos, I don't like the guy one bit. I don't like his politics. I don't like who he is. But let's be honest, he employs how many jobs tens he of thousands right. of people yeah. based on the fact that he started this company. And so 
I just we just wanted to start. First thing, it's not wrong to want money because a lot of you you young guys I know look at you know your future and you're like I want to make a lot of money. I I I, I want money. That's not wrong in right. and of itself. And I think the church does a very poor job, like you were talking about, of they kind of look down on people who are wealthy and kind of look at them like, you know, you guys are better than us or, or whatever, because we do we have bought into this, the more poor you are, the more holy you are. And that's simply not biblical. That's right. not true at all. And we're going to get into some of that a little bit later. But we just wanted to start off with this because it is not wrong to want money. We don't need to look at all wealthy people and... and, and Let's be honest. There are a lot of wealthy people who do really bad things. That doesn't mean that wealth equals evil. Right. That's not what that means. That's exactly it. Like, correlation doesn't equal causation. Yeah. Just because they're correlated, just because, uh, you know, rich guys can do a lot of bad things because they do have the money to do it. That doesn't mean that the money is the issue per se. And as you said, money's going to be a natural part of your life. There is nothing pious about being unable to provide for your family. Right. Um, there's just not. So while you're a young guy, you're looking at how to get money. There's a lot to that. I mean, you're not wrong to do it. So where does it become wrong? This is where we want to get to scriptures. Andrew Tate would be the first place. <laughs> like that's where it can go really wrong. <laughs> no kidding, Andrew Tate. That's just a that's a one all to itself. Andrew Tate's where it goes wrong. Um, no, but for pride or status, and that speaks to him. Is yep. he's looking at it as this is this shows how great of a man I am, and he has this ridiculous amount of arrogance and pride, and he holds himself up. Why? Because he walks in with three hundred fifty million dollar net worth. Good for you, but. So what? Yeah. Right? He thinks he's worthy. He's more worthy of a person because of the money that he has in the bank account. We know that our worth is 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 valued based on God and his love for us, um, not based on the money we have in the he, bank account. He talk, Andrew Tate talked in the video. I know we already did an episode on him, so we'll move on. But he talked in the video about how he dri- he doesn't drive Bugatti so he can drive fast or Lambos because he can drive fast. He <laughs> right. doesn't wear super expensive watches to tell time. He does it so he can show off how rich he is. Yeah. That part of the video was really funny. But it also depicted exactly what we're talking about yeah. here. He does it to look down on other people and, and basically show off how, how wealthy he is and his pride and his status. And to create jealousy and envy on their That's part. a problem. We shouldn't be doing that. Like exactly. you as a godly young man, that's where wanting money becomes wrong. If right. that's the purpose is so you can, again, walk, walk in and show off how wealthy you are and make other people you know, want to be you – that, if, if that's why you're doing it, that's where it becomes wrong. And right. so there's some scriptures we want to get into. I'm going to have you, Joe, if you want to go ahead and get the Ecclesiastes one. But these other ones, I'll just kind of paraphrase. you got Mark chapter 8, verse 12, where Jesus talks about, you know, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, people like Andrew Tate should read that verse. Like, great, you conquer the whole world. What does it matter? Right. How much money you make if you lose your own soul? Matthew 6, 24 talks about Jesus once again. He says, you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and self. You can't serve two masters at the same time. You're either serving wealth or you're serving yeah. God. There is no serving both at the same time. And again, those, even as you're pursuing money, even as you're pursuing wealth, it'd be good to keep those verses in mind because yeah. that's when you can swing too far in the direction. What about Ecclesiastes? Yeah, Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This too is vanity. Like we, you read this and it's like Andrew Tate, anybody just flashing in right, big, right. big letters. Um Look, it's not satisfying. Like ultimately, we know that it's not going to be. First uh, Timothy six ten. This is one that gets majorly misquoted all yeah. the time. Money's the root of all sorts of. No, it's the love of money, and love of money is the root of all sorts of kind or all kinds of evil. All sorts of evil. It's not the root of all evil. Um, 
you can just get into real problem. Men have shipwrecked their faith, he's going to say. Yep. And, and he specifically gives examples to Timothy of like, hey, Timothy, make sure that you have a proper relationship with money. First Timothy 6 is a great place to go to about your relationship with money. Like exactly. He's not telling Timothy, don't worry about money, don't think about money, anything like that, as much as he's saying, you guard yourself and be very careful because this can lead to all sorts of evil. Like this, this love of money, because it leads to pride, it leads to arrogance, it leads to envy and jealousy and, and who knows what else in your pursuit of trying to get money. That's, that's clearly wrong. Right. And we would be remiss if we didn't cover this stuff. I mean, Hebrews 13 verse five, it's interesting. Go to Hebrews 13, five verse, verse five real quick, because I was looking this verse up before and I think ESV has something different where it's like, don't let your life be consumed by the love of money or something like that. And that's not what New, New King James had covetousness. So I was curious about what... Make, re- yeah, this is NASB 95. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I even uh, ever forsake you. So there you go. I mean, that's another one where it's like, make sure that's not your only pursuit. Again, yeah. it's not wrong to want money, but this is where it can go off the rails. And... Listen, a lot of guys do take it off the rails. Like, and unfortunately, yeah, no no a doubt. lot of guys in the church don't have really good role models for money. Um, and so I would encourage you before we move on to number two here, Joe, I'll let you get into that um, with the Proverbs verses here. But find good uh, money role models. Find good financial role models. Guys that you look at and, right. you know, maybe they're really wealthy. Maybe they make a lot of money, but they, you know, they're not arrogant about it. They don't flaunt it. They're, they're not the type that's going to shove it in your face. Find those guys and, and learn yep. from them. Find guys who know how to take care of their family. One of the points we're going to get into later is about taking financial responsibility for the sake of your family. That is a skill that, in my opinion, needs to be taught. Like It's not something people just get by osmosis yeah. and just kind of figure out. You have to be taught that. And so we'll talk about it here. That's what we're here for, of course. But find people in your life who can talk to you about this kind of thing. But Joe, get us into number two. So number one was it's not wrong for us as godly young men to want money. What's number two? Yeah, number two, the Bible talks positively about wealth and working hard. Once again, we swung the pendulum in our culture and in in our Bible teaching today and in the sermons and everything else of like, man, you really just shouldn't want money. And, and money, the root, yes, love of money can be very wrong. It's the root of all sorts of evil, right? We should be free from the love of money. At the same time, the Bible does have some very positive things to say about it. Proverbs 13, 11 says, Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Pretty positive. Pretty yeah, yeah, pretty positive. Verse 22, that same chapter, Proverbs 33. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. Talk about leaving an inheritance for, yeah. your, for your kids. Having for- having money, you know, something to leave for your kids. That would assume you have something to leave. Right. That you have actually gained wealth. Um, we have Proverbs 10.22 on here as well. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. When we're rich, we realize it's a blessing from the Lord. It's not wrong to be rich. We just have to give glory to God. We have to recognize where it comes from. And this is where, going back to that Matthew passage, 624, we can't serve God in wealth. We need to recognize when we have wealth, we ought to be willing to give it up for God, which is the rich young ruler. Yep. We've got to be willing to turn it over to God. We ought to be willing to use it for his glory, and we ought to give him glory and, and honor and praise for him blessing us with that. Right. As you're going to Proverbs 3, which is the last one we have on here, I want I want all of our listeners to consider all of the guys in the Old Testament, all of the the righteous men who were incredibly wealthy. Abraham was a really wealthy guy. Yes, he was. Job, we know uh, in the Old Testament, was very wealthy. Obviously, the kings, David, was a suit was was really wealthy. We know that Joseph was second in command in Egypt. Daniel ends up climbing the ranks as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Like most of the guys in the Old Testament that were righteous men of God, 
had great possessions. Jacob, Isaac, you know, all people like that. Did they get some other things wrong? Sure. But it wasn't as if the only people who followed God in the Old Testament were these lowly, poor, you know, guys that could barely put food on the table. Right. No. The Bible talks, the Old Testament talks about how they had a multitude of flocks and herds and livestock, which is how wealth was measured back then, silver and gold. Like, these guys were well off. They were very wealthy. Oh, yeah. Abraham is given from, even after he lies, different discussion, different day, (laughs) but he's given more wealth. Yeah. Melchizedek and, and with Abimelech and with Pharaoh. Like, he just accumulates wealth wherever he goes, and you never see, like, how could you? Abraham, yeah. that's terrible. You should he's just reprimanded stop. for it. Like, yeah, no, he's not yeah. reprimanded. It's like you're blessed by God. Good for you. This is this is what I'm giving you, and and obviously everything else um, with the generations. But Proverbs three nine and ten says, "Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine." He doesn't say don't have wealth. He says honor the Lord with your wealth. Right. Use it for good. Make sure that that you have a proper working relationship with money. That you're not using it for pride and arrogance and letting that take you away. But we're talking, this is Solomon. This is the richest man to ever live. Like, he had everything. The wisest and the richest, he had all. And what's he saying? Use it for God. Honor God with what you've been given. Your brother Jack has made the point before that, and he hasn't quite said it like this. This is how I'll say it, but he's the one that kind of inspired this. Is that you can make a pretty credible case that the Bible is not a big fan of wealth if Proverbs didn't exist. But Proverbs exists, and all these verses right. we just pulled from Proverbs, like a lot of people try to argue again that maybe, you know, being poor is equivalent to being more holy. That is not at all what Proverbs says. Right. Proverbs directly contradicts that. And so and it's important to take the whole Bible in context here. These are just a few verses yeah. in Proverbs. There's like a lot about wealth and using wealth well and and in how you gain wealth and making sure you're not doing you're doing it from hard work. You know, observe the Anto sluggard and consider its ways. Yeah. Like work hard. Make your money, do good with the money, honor the Lord. Basic, really, it's basic. But we look at it and we go, yeah, but there's so many chances for error. There's so many times where it could go wrong. And there are. And there are. But it's like, well, why don't we just be poor? Why don't we just back up? (laughs) And and any kid who has drive to do something, we want to almost shame him about like, either it becomes his entire life and we make it about, hey, good for you. You're making a ton of money. My kid's going to go far. Or, and then his identity's in that. Or we kind of shame him for wanting to make money. Where's the balance in that? And that's what we want to find. And so as we get into the third one, there's kind of a Did you want to cover that right there? Yeah, I did. I'm looking at it like I do. I think it can kind of go into this next one. Perfect. Go for it. About it. Number three is you as a godly young man, and we have it in all caps, must understand how to be financially responsible. This is not optional. This this is not optional. You have to be financially responsible um, for multiple reasons. Get us in some of those reasons. Yeah, because people, we have talked before about how we firmly believe godly young men should work out. Like right. that, that we don't really think that that's, that's optional. Same right. thing with um, reading. We talked about a couple episodes ago. Like, you know, is it a sin if you don't read? No, of course not. But like we think everybody should. With this one, it, it, it lines up with those things, but to an even further extent. Right. Like, to me, I'm not going to come out and say it's a sin if you're not financially responsible. But you as a godly young man, it is imperative that you understand how to be financially responsible. Why? Because you are responsible for taking care of your family. If you don't understand right. or if you don't practice being financially responsible, you're failing your wife. You're failing your kids. I don't know any other way to say it. That's as nice as I can possibly say it. If you're a guy who is just really bad with money, doesn't save, his wife and family is constantly wondering, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, and, and they're constantly wondering where their next meal is going to be, right. or, you know, are we going to make the, the house payment? Are we going to be able to, to get new shoes for the kids? 
if you're that kind of guy that does not understand how to be financially responsible, again, I'm not trying to be harsh. You are failing your kids. You are failing your wife and you're failing your family. No, I want to encourage everybody and challenge everybody listening to this. Don't ever put yourself in that position. Be financially responsible. And Joe, I want you to comment on that. And But you know, after that, I want you to get into what do we mean by by financial irresponsibility. What does it look like when somebody is financially irresponsible? But I don't know if you had anything that you want to comment I want on to come because back. this is such a big aspect of this podcast. I want to come back. Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Yep. That assumes you have wealth. Like, and not just a little bit of wealth, like, oh, I left my kids 50 grand. Like, your children, your grandchildren are set because that's what a good man does is he he accumulates this and gives it to the other generations. When you start making money about generational wealth, yep. you think differently about it. Instead of, hey, let me just get mine and I'll be good. As long as I can travel the world and do what I kind of want to do, I don't really worry about it. When you start thinking about, I've got to set up my kids and my kids' kids and I want them to have generational wealth. That starts by you working hard and being diligent and being smart with your wealth, making the proper investments, things like that. And that's why we say, to, to your point, why we say this is imperative to be good financially, to take financial responsibility because your kids, their kids, and potentially even their kids are counting on you doing this. This is a generational thing. Take it seriously. Um, and I'll just say this. It's not about pride per se. It, it really yeah, it's isn't. Not, yeah. But it is about you as a man knowing that you can take care of your family and yourself. It's kind of like, a yeah, I can, I'm, I'm a man. I can take care of my yeah, family. I yeah. work hard enough to, to allow my family to have their needs met and some of their wants too. It's good to be able to have some of the wants. Like them not being able to buy a bag of chips because you're so tight, you're so strapped. Money. Look, if you're working 12 hours a day and that's the best you can do, I'm not, I'm not dogging you. Good for you. If you're getting home early from work every single day and, and you're literally just working six, seven hours and you're, just, at night, you're watching yeah. YouTube at night, what are you doing? Right. Get off your tail. Get out there and make some money. If your family can't do it, that's an inner pride thing as a man. Yeah. Not pride as I'm showing off all my wealth. No, pride is in like, I can look myself in the mirror and be proud of who I see because my kids can afford a bag of Lay's chips. They want it because right. work really hard to provide it. There's a man aspect there that when your wife makes more than you or when you have to have her go to work because, man, I just can't make it. And, and once again, I understand there's different things completely, but... If you are not working your tail off the entire time and your wife has to go to work while you're getting home at 3 p.m., shame on you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Shame on you. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. It's little things like being, you know, having the pride that, no, I'm going to pay for my daughter's wedding or I'm going to make sure that my kid can go to college for, for two years for free or whatever, yeah. it, you know, that I'll pay for their first two years of college or whatever up, yeah. it is. Yeah. Set them up for success and things like that. Listen, financial, making money is something that, People look at it and say it's really hard in today's economy, the job economy. You know, it's it's really hard to make money. If you work hard, it's it's not that hard. And that sounds like I'm really just kind of brushing it aside. But if you work hard and you're you're adaptable and you're willing adaptable. to find different ways, and we're yep. gonna get into some of this practical stuff here in a second. But again, we don't want to understate this, and I don't think it can be understated. You got to understand how to be financial financially responsible. Your kids do not need to be wondering, are you gonna make the house payment? Your right. kids do not need to be wondering, are we able to afford like you were talking about you know, the next, you know, a good pair of shoes. Are we going to be able to give money or give to the church on Sunday? Like you need to be financially responsible. And there's so many guys that I see with families that they just kind of wing it. Like they're just kind of, I, I, you know, I think we're doing pretty well or we got a little money saved up. And it's like, 
you're married, you've been married for 15 years, you got three kids, and that's all you have saved up type of yeah. thing. Like, you're not able to, I, I don't know. This is one that it's very tough to quantify without throwing numbers at it. But I think deep down, everybody knows what financial responsibility yeah. is. Do you handle your money well? Are you responsible with it? Or are you not? That's pretty pretty clear to see, yeah. I guess I would say. I think if you are not handling it well, if you're handling irresponsibility, a lot of materialism, yeah. a lot of... Um, Stupid investments, dumb purchases, things like that, that that you could be, or you're just not putting any any away in savings. You're not thinking about savings. You're not thinking about the future. That's financial irresponsibility. And if you're doing that- Getting into a bunch of debt, like unnecessary debt. Yeah, using, racking up credit cards because, hey, well, it's free money. No, it's not. You actually have to pay those and the, the interest rates are just insane for those. Don't get involved in that. But you have to realize what is money- representing to you in that moment yeah because if it's again it's status or i want to have all the fine things in life that can come later it's kind of the dave ramsey thing i don't subscribe to all the dave ramsey stuff what does he say you you're gonna have to live like no one now so you can live like no one then you know in two separate sides like you're gonna have to do things that no one else is willing to do very difficult not eat out and, and yeah exactly to pay off all your debt and that way in in the future you get to live like no one else like it's gonna be amazing because you took those steps and I think he's right on that. Like, yeah, I agree. If your money, if you have a poor relationship with money, why? What is it representing to you and what are you trying to accomplish with it? Having a smart relationship with money means there's financial security. I want to get to this point, though, because before we move on and get to the yep. very practical right at the end as we wrap up, there's a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I wanted to bring this in because it is about how you, it, it's a fundamental like worldview when it comes to money and how you view it. In, in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, was it, I can't, uh, what's his name? Um, man, I can't even remember his name. It's a uh, Asian, the guy's brilliant. It's very, very interesting. Uh, I, I want to say like Miyazaki, but it's not it. Anyway, he makes the point, he grew up, his dad was not super well off, his friend's dad was very well off, and so he started following what is his friend dad doing, very much what Andrew Tate talked about, finding the mentor somebody sure, that knows. Yeah. So he finds the mentor, this guy's dad, and the kid just couldn't care less about what his dad had to offer. And he is, as the son or the uh, the friend of the son of the rich guy is like, this is great. This guy is brilliant. And he starts noticing and kind of lays out the way that his dad viewed money, which is we just need to save and put away. And as long as we have a big enough nest egg, we can just, we'll, we'll be able to kind of work through anything. And so they just wanted to build up the nest egg and it was save, 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 save. And, and like you put every single penny in savings as much as possible. Didn't enjoy anything and pinching pennies like crazy. Okay. The other guy, who's rich, did not think about money that way. Mm-hmm. He was willing to spend. He was willing to to get some of the nicer, the finer things in life. And it was the way that he viewed money that's like, we'll just make more. And my dad always had that phrase, we'll just make more. My dad also worked in a you know a field where he could. Me as therapist, I'll just take on one more client. We'll you know we'll yeah. make more. So some people have the ability to do it. Some people don't. But it's a fundamental understand like difference in how you understand money as to is it a security blanket and you're just scared to death and you view money as like this is the end all or is it a means to an end? Yeah. And I choose to look at it from the rich dad perspective like it's a means to an end. And so while you're thinking about money and while you're looking at it, are you the penny pinching type to think that that money in the bank account is the end in and of itself? Or are you the guy that realizes money is a means to an end that is causing me to be able to take care of my family and to do some fun things and to enjoy the fruits of my labor? Well, and you've got this on there. I think uh, we talked about this before. Like, You don't want to be the guy who is always in need. You would rather be the guy who is able to give, the right. guy who's able to help somebody else out, the guy yeah. who's able to c- contribute a large sum to something the church is doing, whatever, rather than the guy who's like, sorry, you know, I've got to pay my credit card debt this month, and so yeah. I don't have any left over. And it's like that kind of ties into that mindset as well. And 
I recognize a lot of young men are probably watching and listening to this going, great, I want to be financially responsible. I don't know how. First of all, we're not the experts. You know, we are we are not the Dave Ramseys of the world. Not that he's got all the answers, but you know what I mean? Like we, we don't have financial degrees and things like that. But we do right. want to wrap this episode with practical things that you can do now, right now, regardless of if you're 15 and unmarried or 25 and married for five years. Things that if you're not doing them now, you can start now that are going to get you hopefully on that path to financial responsibility. That's what we want to wrap here. The first one, and I'm a big believer in this. I gotta say, I don't know how big of a believer Joe is in this, <laughs> but I'm a big believer uh, in budgets. Like, learn how to keep a budget, and it's you definitely should. Pe- people, yeah, we'll, we'll get your take on it here in a second. But like, people hear budget and they think, oh, that's just like spending limits and restrictions on what I can yeah. spend. And in a way, it is. But the way that I tend to view it is more of like, I want to know where my money's going. Yeah. I want to know, I want to control where my, like so many people, they have no idea where all their money's going. Yeah. Like the check comes in, they spend it all. It's like, where did it all go? The purpose of a budget and the reason I use a budget is so I can see, okay, we spent X amount of money on restaurants this, this month. We spent X amount of money. Like you have your stuff that you always spend on like you know, utilities and stuff that never sure. change, but like the, the groceries and things that, yeah. that might change week to week and month to month. I want to know where that's going. And it's, it's less about putting the restrictions on and more about just kind of being aware of where it's all going. I think that's tremendously important versus the guys that are just like, I don't really know. You know, I get my check and then it's gone after, you know, a month and then the next check comes. In. It's like, know where it's going. That's what a budget to me is most helpful for. I don't know what yeah. your take is on budgets. No, but. I absolutely agree. I'm not great at budgeting. I'll be honest with you. Uh, my wife and I have done it. She's actually doing a pretty good job of Dave Ramsey's um, Every Dollar app, I think yeah, it's called. Yeah, that's what we use. Yeah. yeah. And so you put it in and it tells you where it's going and... and Honestly, I'm always dumbfounded. Like, I spent how much on what? Exactly. Like, yeah. holy cow. But that's why it's important. So we're not great at it. That's something we're working on. Specifically, real quick, I'm sorry, with yeah, something as little as like you can know, look at your bank account and know how much money you're bringing in every single month. And then you can also look and see, specifically if you're using a lot of card transactions, how much money you're spending every month. Yeah. And it's a very simple math equation. Do you have a surplus or do you have a deficit? If right. you have a deficit every single month, that's guess what? It means you're losing money. Yeah. And so that's something as simple as just knowing whether you're not you're going upwards in trajectory with money or downwards in trajectory with money is all a budget's for. I'll say, as a quick aside, this is not, uh, yeah, because it's stepping on my toes. It is difficult when you don't know exactly how much. If you are yeah. self-employed, I don't know what's coming in each month. And so I put... Not exact, but kind of, you know, I have a general understanding of what's coming in. That's what makes it difficult to budget is when, if you are self-employed, you recognize, man, I can make a ton this month and I can make not as much next month. And so it kind of shifts and whatnot. So just be aware of that. But it's a great idea. Keep a budget. Number two would be save and invest. And it goes along with a budget, I think, of put savings into your budget. Recognize there has to be a level of like... Wow, we have all this money in the budget for us to go out to eat, but you have no savings. Like, yeah, you have $2,000 to go out to eat and zero in savings. That's a problem. Right, right. Make sure that you're including saving in that. And the investing, you're much better at. So I want you to speak to the investing side of it. Yeah, real quick, though, on the saving part of it. It doesn't mean that if you, oh, cool, we have $600 left over this month, we'll throw it every dime of it in savings. That's not really what we're saying. What we're saying is, and I'm just throwing money around or throwing numbers around here. Let's say you've got $5,000 a month coming in. You're going to set aside 500 of that, no matter what. That's going to go into savings. That's, right. that's going. You you predetermine that, similar to the way we do with church, with money that we're going yep. to give to church. Versus, and then, so after you've done that, let's say you you have the 500 dollars, you know you're going to put in savings, and then you still because you worked extra hours or whatever, you've got 400 dollars left over after all that. Yeah. You could put that in savings, or you could go out, you know, to a nice dinner or whatever. It doesn't. We're not necessarily saying every extra dime you have, throw it in savings, right? But work that into the budget. So that's a really good way to put that. As far as investing goes, 
listen, whether it means you find a financial advisor through Edward yeah. Jones or somewhere like that, or, um, you know, there's, don't just get the 0.001% interest that your savings account gets at the bank. Right. Find a mutual fund that can get you six, you conservatively, 6% interest, 8% to 10%, even, you know, more liberally interest rate on, you know, things like that, where it's, it's very safe. It's not like that's just going to collapse. And so throw your money in there. And again, people are like, well, I don't know how to do that. That's where the financial advisors come in. But there are very smart investments, very safe investments you can make that get you a whole lot more percentage than just the 0.001% right. that your savings account gets. That's what I would recommend. Think about getting a Roth IRA or an IRA. Definitely do your, a Roth IRA. Do your research yeah. on, on what you'd like. If you do it at this age as a godly man, 15 to 25, think about what you're going to have at 60. Compound interest is insane. Roth it lets really you is. put aside $500 a month. If you, if you, That's the max they'll let you put in. If you start at 15, you will be a millionaire by age 60. Easily. Legitimately. Easily. You legitimately. I mean, the math just checks out from a compound interest. That's not even at ridiculous interest rates. That's right, just that's like, like a standard one that yeah. stands, you know, that, that stays. And so invest. Be smart about it. I threw on here, and we talked. We beat this drum to death, but this is Joe's thing. Work yeah. hard, find new ways to make money. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I'm not smart on investing. I am smart at figuring out ways to make money. That's why I work a lot of jobs. I like making money, and I want to work hard to do that. And I find new ways to make money. And so when I do, if I don't get around to it now, I mean, I've got three or four business ideas leg- legitimately that I have not gotten off the ground. That if things go south, I think I could start those and and start making money. I don't have time to do it yet. Be thinking constantly about, hey, what about this? And I can make money this way and I could do that. Because you don't want to be the guy who's tied down to one field. That field collapses or you lose right. your job and it's and like, you got nothing. I got no options. What do I do? No, find other, diversify. Diversify. Like talked about. Find diversify. other ways to, to bring income in and, and man, that will serve you very well. Yeah. Um, we have on here, learn what poor financial practices are. We've already discussed some of those materialism, stupid investments, things like that. Um, not saving. I mean, those are just... That's dumb financial practices. Yeah. And as a kid, you're allowed to make some dumb mistakes. You're allowed to go out and buy your skateboard or whatever else and kind of drain your savings. Probably not smart, but look, we all make dumb financial decisions as a kid. We want to we want to minimize those to the best of our. We're going to talk about frivolous spending here in a second because we are actually we actually both are spenders quite yeah. a bit. We're the oh, spenders yeah. in our family. I get your wife is probably a spender too. I don't yeah, know. unfortunately, that's <laughs> my the problem. We've got wife. two gas pedals in my uh, <laughs> in my family. No wonder you guys aren't big on budgets. Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, We're working on it. My wife's not not a big spender, but like. We both believe in, hey, it's not a problem to spend money. However, I do think, I think you would agree, there is such a thing. If you're eating a fast food restaurant every single day of the week, that's frivolous spending. Yeah. Like, if you're always, if you always have to have the latest Xbox, that's frivolous spending. Yeah. If you know, there's, Even the new iPhone. Yeah, like, yeah, there are is. very frivolous ways to spend your money that I think would fall into this category of poor financial practices. Doesn't mean you can't spend. We'll get to that in a second. But let's get to this last one as far as what you can do to start now. This one's... Uh, like supremely important. Yeah. Determine how much you're going to give to God every week and stick with it. Yeah. I grow so tired of seeing young, especially young men who work a job as, as teenagers. They can afford their Apple Music subscription. They can go out to eat and go to the movies and they're not giving a dime to God. Yeah. That is ridiculous if you're a baptized Christian. Yeah. You should be getting into the practice yeah. of setting aside money. Again, if you're making money, if you have a job or even an allowance or whatever, Learn to set aside. It doesn't have to be you know whatever percent you decide. That's the thing. The Bible doesn't tell us. I would lean more on the more generous side than the less generous side. But determine how much you're going to give to God and stick with it. Because if you get in the practice at 14, how much easier is that going to implement? Going oh, to yeah. be to implement when you're 24 with a family. Yep. A lot of guys wait until they have a family, and that's usually when money's the tightest. And so guess what? They never do. They never set aside money to give to God. That's right. My mom got us a piggy bank when we were young. It was red, yellow, and green. 
Green was to God, yellow was say uh, no, yellow was spending, I think, and red was savings. You had to put some, even allowance money, you had to put some into each, uh, which got to be a huge pain. You get a $10 bill, it's like, what do I do, rip it up? I mean, yeah. how, do I, how do I divide this? But it really got you thinking, like, you're 10% to God, whatever you decide, right? 10% to God. And 10% is a good starting I think 10% yeah. is a good starting point. Yeah. I really do. And then for savings, however much you want to do, I mean, when you're young, probably more than not. And then th- that does leave some for, for spending. You do want to have some for spending because if it's all savings and it's all all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, as they say, like, <laughs> there has to be some level of eat, drink, and be merry, as he talks about in Ecclesiastes. That does bring us around to our last, unless there's anything else you want to get to, it brings us around to the last thing we wanted to do, which is the top three things you're willing to spend on. Um, We, as Will said, we're spenders. Probably me to a, too much. (laughs) Joe is a, yeah, that is true. I spend Um, a lot. Joe is a spender. I I spend on, I'm not ultra materialistic. My family will laugh at me, potentially, uh, for that one. I really don't think I'm that materialistic. I like some nice things, and so I'll research it to death. High I'll figure it out. Things, I like yeah. high quality things, and so I own a few high quality things, and maybe a few is skewed. <laughs> see, either way. But see, this is where elaborate though, because this is what I want to talk about before we get into our top three. Like, why you don't think that that's frivolous spending? Why you know again, where some people would look at it, oh, that's frivolous. But the point I was making is that you know you can have something that's frivolous spending to somebody that's not frivolous spending to somebody else. Like it just depends on kind of how you look at it. Yeah, exactly. Couple things. First off, I feel like this this is part of be drink and be merry. I work a lot. I work a lot of hours. It's the fruits of my labor in some ways, and I'm not like I'm not going to apologize for it. Second off, I would say this is after I've already taken care of God, after I've taken care of savings, after I've met all of the needs of my family, after I've paid for our house, we've done insurance, everything else, everything is taken care of. If at that point there's surplus and all of the bills are taken care of, and you can add up that surplus. I don't feel bad about spending yeah. it at that point. It's because everything has already been taken care of. Taking out of my God, and I guess we just won't get a God this month because I really need a brand new iPhone. Right. No. <laughs> Wrong answer. Wrong yeah. answer. So I don't feel bad about spending when everything else has really been allotted for, been counted for, uh, accounted for. And again, there's this is part of the fruits of your labor, enjoying some of the work. I work hard for a reason. Yeah. Part of it's to provide my family. Part of it is just to have fun with what God has blessed me with. Right, spending is not wrong. Like, don't get that impression from this from this video. That again, you got to throw every dime in savings right. and, and whatnot. But let's let's just have a little fun here. Sure, I'll I'll go first because you just I, I made you talk about that. Top three things that I'm willing to spend on. Number one is travel. Mm-hmm. I will I will always spend money on travel. Uh, you know, I'm not going to make you give a number, but I think I spent the most I'd ever spent before was you know nothing compared to this i spent six thousand dollars on me and rachel's honeymoon when i was 19 at the time without you know a, an amazing job or anything that was a lot of money a lot of guess money. what i don't regret that yeah, at all i'd right. never look that's back right. at that and go man i really really wish i hadn't spent that much money no that was our honeymoon like those are things that you have to be willing to spend on even now vacations like yep. we've been on vacations together you know i'm not really looking at the the, the prices on the menu right. when we're going out to eat i'm not like, going to vacation if i have to exactly so, i will spend yeah. money on vacation number two i would say Mm, nice meals and that kind of ties into it but like i do not mind spending money on nice meals this is not for everybody a lot of people are like you know i'll just take the bare minimum i like to have a really nice steak dinner i like to go out for nice seafood you know whatever it is i do not mind can't do it all the time obviously cannot do it every week but you know we've shared some really nice meals together we're not looking at the prices like that's something that's fine to spend money on number three i would say for me would be Gifts for my family, like mm. gifts for Rachel for Christmas. You know, we did the other, I'm not going to give numbers here, but last, uh, I think two years ago, 
we were like, we had gone crazy the year before. Okay, we've got to set a budget. We can't go crazy this year on, you know, buying each other gifts. And we both said, we're going to spend this much on on each other. We probably tripled it. We just blew through it. Like, we just, but that's just the way we're like, I love spending money on people. You know, it's not really a love language for me, I don't think. But I do like to see the surprise on their face when they open their gift. And now I've got two kids. And so that's just going to be an absolute joy to watch them open their presents and, you know, so those would be my three, I think, is be travel, nice meals, and gifts. How about you? That's really good. I would do food, number one. Um, I'm a foodie. Yep. And uh, I love trying new places, going to different restaurants. Yep. It doesn't always have to be high end. I can appreciate a McDonald's cheeseburger, and I can appreciate a very fancy steak. I like it all. Yep. I, I like food. Both ends of the spectrum. Both ends of the spectrum. My wife is a fantastic cook. We don't always have to go out, but I do want her to have good ingredients, right? Um and so food would be number one. Travel is number two. It's funny that you, yeah. I um, I think I spent when I was 16. No. I must have been 18. Yeah. Went out of uh, the country for a month. Went to Ghana for two weeks and taught in a school over there. Um, a Bible college over there. Just coming out of Bear Valley. And then went to Venice, Rome, and London. Had a ton of fun. Forty five hundred dollars for the entire month. Man, yeah. and, but as an eighteen year old, where I didn't really have a That's job, a lot, I was kind of yeah. the rally. I was like, "This is a lot." Do of you money. regret any of it? Nope. The no. one thing I regret is I did not buy a painting. I collect painting, collect art from where I go, and I did not buy one in Rome. And I always because it was a money thing. I don't know. I want to spend the money, yeah. and I'll find a cheaper one. And I never did. And that's like. It sounds so stupid. It sounds so petty. But truly, I mean, it's the money that I didn't spend that I regret. Real quick, before you get to number three, and yep. we were talking about this before, you will find like your biggest purchases you're usually not going to regret. Like, especially the travel experiences with your family right. and things like that, even the really nice dinners. Like, I don't regret any of those. Like, those right. are the ones that's like, that was really worth the experience. And so you see that a lot. Like, you're, oh, you're going to regret it. Most often not. Yeah. Maybe, you know, if you if you put a bunch of money into a stupid car or something, like, you know, a, a lemon <laughs> car or something like that. Right. Or, but yeah, usually right. not the case. What's your number three? Yeah, number three I would say is actually household things that make life easier. Yeah. As dumb as that sounds... Um, nice bed, nice sheets, nice coffee machine, nice, um, you know, nice TV, like the things around the house that I don't own like a ton. You've been in our house. It's not full of like stuff, right? but what it is, you know, what it does have the couch and things like that. I mean, we spent a little money on and we wanted to make sure that it was, and God has blessed us big time. He's blessed us with that. So I realize not everybody has the ability to do it, but yeah. Yeah. I like I like spending on things that I'm going to enjoy every day. I sit on the couch every day, I lay in my bed every day, and I make coffee pretty much every day. Those things were worth it to me because they enhance the quality of my life every single day. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's great. And again, as we talk about this episode with money, money can be something that people turn into something evil, as we talked about, or yeah. something that you shouldn't want. It's not wrong to want money. It can become wrong very quickly. And we so we want to encourage you as godly young men, be mindful, keep the perspective of are you, you know, as you're making a lot of money or maybe as you have your family, like, am I chasing this too much? Am I putting yeah. too much emphasis, too much priority on, you know, making the next dollar and going on this really nice vacation? And like those things, as we talked about last episode with Andrew Tate and Ecclesiastes, those things have an end. Those things yeah. will, you know, corrupt and, and, and corrode. Like your couches are great. They're going to go away one of these oh, days. Yeah. You know, my, my nice meals are great. They're not going to mean much in the afterlife. And so, you know, in eternal life. And so it's important to get that perspective, but work hard for money. Money's great. You know, it's, it's good to enjoy money, especially knowing that you can provide for your family. To me, that's the biggest thing is I never want to be in a position where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have a roof for my family next month. 
Yeah. We don't ever want to be in that position. So work hard, make money, take care of your family. Anything else you'd add as we no, kind of wrap up this money up. episode? That's a good wrap up. Awesome. We'll wrap right there, and we'll be back next week with another episode, episode 34 of the Godly Young Men podcast. Thanks for watching.